0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. Hey. What you think about. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I believe I've got my co-host with me, but let me see. Um, Kathy, are you there? I'm going to check and see if you're here yet. got one number that's just not doing much of anything. Let me try this one. Kathy, are you on this number? Hello? Well, this will be interesting if our calls don't work today, so... Um, I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to ask people who have called in, if they want to talk, to go ahead and hang up and call back in. For whatever reason, time is not clicking off like it should be in the studio here, and I don't have a whole lot of control. That is a blog talk radio thing. So let me go ahead and do our introductions while we're going and trying to figure out what's going on with the system here. Full moon just the other day, so I guess I shouldn't be too surprised with all of this. Um, Bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We really want to have true conversations with people because we think word of mouth and storytelling is really the best factor and the best way that we can connect with with other people. And so uh, we like to raise everybody's voice all around the world. That includes those people living with dementia, their family, uh, their friends. Uh, we have authors, we have um, researchers, we have community businesses, uh, different types of products everybody is welcome on the show and so again um, you can call in today this is open mic at 323-870-4602 that's 323 870 and I'm just going to try to see if we can pull Kathy in one more time Kathy can you hear me
1: I can hear you can you hear me okay
0: woo woo, we did it. It still is being functioning Yay. in the system here. Um, for those of you who are, aren't familiar with Kathy Braxton, she is an absolutely amazing woman who has been in the industry for a long time in all different types of angles. Um, and she uh, she has a group called... Um, but let's see. I'm. I'm going to go. I'm going to go crazy here. Improv for caregivers. Correct, Kathy. That's that's right. Okay. Okay. I'm a little jumbled here because of our lack of connection. Trying to things. Okay, that's
1: all right.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, you got to go with the flow. Got to go with the flow. <laughs> well, why don't um? Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? That might be the the best route to go in terms of what you offer in terms of um services. And I'll get myself together at this end. And I see we've got another caller on the line as well. And today this is just kind of an open flow type thing. We like to um, hear what's going on out in the public. And what you think is important, what's going right, what's going wrong, what do we need, what do we have, all of those types of things. And, again, you can call in to 323 870-4602 Eight seven zero four six zero two, and we'll pull you in as we go. But Kathy, I'm going to pass it back over to you to just talk a little bit about um, what you offer people and how you got into this uh, this realm of the world.
1: Thanks. Okay. Yeah. So I have a company called Improv for Caregivers. I've been in the aging industry, as Lori said, uh, a little over 25 years. I've almost exclusively always worked with older adults um, and their caregivers, whether they're personal or family caregivers, um, and specifically residents and, and patients who are living with dementia. So that is my specialty. And what I do with improper caregivers is I focus solely on communication. Uh, I don't talk about necessarily disease process or progress. Um, I don't talk about um, aging issues per se, what I focus on solely is how we can communicate best with the person that's living with dementia to make meaningful moments. Because with those with dementia, we only have moment to moment. Sometimes we have a minute to capture. Sometimes we have a couple minutes to capture. And to me, the way in which we approach somebody, really anybody, but in specific, the way we approach somebody who has dementia is key to having successful moments with them, having them help us help them, and having them have a great moment of joy with you. And so it's all about communication, and I do use the four rules. There's many rules, but four basic rules of improv to help people understand and really grasp some great communication techniques. And the reason I utilize improv is because any person can grasp onto the concepts, regardless of age, education, whether you've ever done this before or not. And as I said, it works with any age. So it's fascinating that we can involve our kids in this um, process, that the communication and connection doesn't have to be just put on one caregiver and their shoulders. Uh, This can be something we can all shoulder together as care partners And by utilizing improv techniques, I teach everybody in the family how to use those techniques together so we can have great moments with each other and with the person that we're taking care of.
0: Love that. I absolutely love the work that you do. I'm going to go ahead and see who we have on the line here right now. Again, uh, if you are living with dementia, caring for somebody, uh, family or professional, have a service product or tool, we'd love to hear from you. And again, the call in number is 323-870-4602. We have somebody uh, from a 0943 number. 0943. You are live and on the air. Do you want to Give us your name and why you're calling in.
2: Hi, yes. Um, my name is Danielle Spar, and um, I'm a caregiver for my father who has um, Alzheimer's. And um, so I created a children's book because um, I'm a children's book author. Um, and so I created this book in order to open the conversations and help parents kind of bring the conversation up it's set in like a detective series and um kid friendly, not scary, that kind of thing. Um but yeah, and I've been um trying to just get awareness out about it, um, because fifty percent of the proceeds are going to be going to Alzheimer's Association, um, our local chapter where I live. Wonderful. What now what age bracket is this for again, Danielle? Um, it's for like six-year-olds to ten-year-olds. It's an it's a chapter book with um, – I, I kind of think of like Junie B. Jones. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But um, it has, you know, a couple illustrations per chapter, but, um, you know, no more than 85 pages. Um, and it is part of a series. But, yeah, just to – it's about PJ's perplexing predicament. And Logan and Emily have to find PJ who – nobody can seem to find. So um, just trying to, um, you know, make it where kids can kind of see the effects of Alzheimer's and, and get um, the conversation going. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Uh,
0: Kathy, what are your thoughts on the need for a, a book for, ki- for kids, six to 10 years old? What I think are your thoughts?
1: I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I think, you know, I was raised as a kid, my mom took me to the nursing home all the time to visit my grandma. So I've never been afraid of uh, adults who are aging. It never was something that scared me. And I think that's something that we see a lot is that older adults, um, adult children kind of keep their kids at arm's length from mm-hmm. the older parent or grandparent that's aging and going through this kind of stuff. And I don't know if we do it to protect them or if we're afraid they're going to be scared. or We just don't know how to teach them how to communicate with each other and how to have that moment. And I think that you writing this kind of book and bringing it full circle and starting to include the kids in this, I think is a fantastic idea. I think there's a lot of good children's books out there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm particularly happy that yours has some illustrations and it's it's kind of a detective story. So it's going to grasp them because really we can't avoid this topic anymore. It's out there all the time. I feel like every movie or sitcom I turn on, at some point in time there's somebody and an older adult who's living with some memory impairment and we're going to have these these conversations are going to come up the kids are going to say what is that is that what grandma's mm-hmm. going through i think it's fantastic that you you you're taking that route education is so important in including them and and not um not just including them but but just that infusion of we're this is part of our life we're going to do this together
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think that's great yep
0: yeah, I do, too. Thank you. I don't think, Thank you so much. I don't think we can have enough books out there to educate. Mm-hmm. I know when I was growing up, um, and I was like 13 when I first ran across this with my great aunt, and I was just told, well, that's what happens when people get old. And again, that was a long time ago. That was like uh, fifty years ago for me. But still, mm. families still are very protective, and I think some of it has to do with they don't know what to say because they're really not sure what it is or how it's going to, uh, how it's going to progress or what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with all of the. Prior negative advertising of this that, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. just a shell of a body. It's end stages and there's, you know, there's so much we're finding out and early diagnosis is becoming more and more important. Um, yet I know that we are, you know, even though our numbers are huge, I think they're still extremely mm-hmm. low because I think there's so many people that aren't diagnosed because they don't want the stigma yeah. and in the fear right. wrapped in that. Um, I think the other thing with involving kids is they can be a great catalyst um, to healing and connection, mm-hmm. especially the the yeah. littler ones because they you know they don't know um, they haven't been taught what what it's supposed to look like yet at that point you right. know and and they don't they don't have these um, projected limits of what somebody can and can't do they just want to play they just want to engage they just want to have fun and and yeah. I think yeah. I think that's all about being in the moment and understanding that we're all different in in many different ways, if we've got dementia or not, um, coming to an acceptance of that instead of trying to, yeah. you know, for so long in society. Um, and again, I, I'm much older than I'm sure you are, Danielle, but, um, you know, I grew up. And there was the Stepford Wives. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but Mm -hmm. but it was a TV show of a community. (laughs) Everybody was supposed to be perfect. Everyone was supposed to be the same. Um, You didn't show anything Mm -hmm. negative. And I think with social media, you know, that's, you know, even gotten more profound and people feel that pressure. And yet none of mm-hmm. us are perfect or live in that world twenty four seven and so mm-hmm. I think from a mental health standpoint too, that your book will be yeah. very healthy um from that gamut as well so um whereabouts
2: you. are you yeah. in whereabouts are you in the process um with the book it is and, um yep, it is completely written um and edited and illustrated so okay. um I'm just doing, I'm starting a Kickstarter October 1st to basically help with the printing of it. Um, And I was, I like, you know, what you were saying, we moved in with my folks um, to help them. And I still have a teenage son at home. And one of the things that I put in the book on purpose was in the back little tips on um, how you can talk to a person with Alzheimer's. And I did a bunch of uh, research because it is true Um, if they know how to talk to them, it makes it so much easier. And I think I have friends that are in the same category, and and I think they were trying to protect also um, their loved one because they didn't want to upset them if the kids – you know, we're like, well, what's wrong with you, or or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But if they, if the kids realize, you know, what's going on, and okay, we don't say maybe, oh, come on, don't you remember? And you know, in the book, I say we just say, um, oh, remember when we did this, to just give them some prompts too, to because I didn't know, I I I was saying all the wrong things.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> did the research.
1: <laughs> well, so, yeah, I think really it's awesome. I think, I think, you know, two things, you know, that I, it struck me is I've never seen older adults light up more than when mm-hmm. a child is present. And so when we yep. can bring them into the fold, we actually are doing everybody a favor by actually just creating this moment of joy because older adults can't help but smile and laugh when they see small children. They just, it mm-hmm. just does bring them happiness. So it's like a gift that we, I think, sometimes withheld you know, for a lot Mm -hmm. of reasons. And I think the second thing is, you know, you tapped on this concept of we we hold families, you know, families sometimes hold their kids at arm's length and Stepford wise, everybody has to be the same. And I think we're doing our families, our children, even a disservice when Mm -hmm. we think in context of, I don't want my child to remember grandma like this. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep my child at home and they're not going to see how grandma's deteriorating. 'Cause I don't want my child mm-hmm. to remember her like that. And I hear that a lot. And I think I think we're doing our families a disservice because if we lack yep. that awareness that people change and age and grow, then we're kind of withholding information from them that's gonna come out eventually. You know?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that opens up a conversation of, yes, people age, people change, mm-hmm. things can happen, this can happen to anybody. You know, even a friend of theirs who becomes very sick, you know, they're going to change if someone, a young child with cancer. And so Mm -hmm. having this opportunity where you have an older adult that you can introduce this into then opens up that space for them to have acceptance of change in people and the life expectancy, the lifespan. I I just, I'm really glad you're doing this. I see so many levels of where it should hit. It hopefully will hit families and they will rush to buy your book because they see that
2: benefit. <laughs> well oh, and thank I was, you. And, and even hope oh, oh, go, go, go ahead. <laughs> that's
0: that's okay. Go oh, ahead I was just,
2: Okay. I was just thinking, you know, one thing that I've from moving in I've noticed too is um there's a certain um attitude or way that older ones just in general are treated like out in the public. And it changes, you know. Um, some will have little business cards that they just slip, you know, to the the waiter. Say, um, just says, "Please be patient. My, um, you know, father has Alzheimer's," and then that changes their demeanor. Where it's it's like it, sh- <laughs> they should be patient to begin with, and I think that's kind of one of the results of us not having our kids. Around the older ones because I know you know my son had to adjust too you know things take longer you know and things like that um, and then your eyes are open that we need to show these older ones our elderly love and patience just like we did when the kids were little you know and so hopefully that message gets across too.
0: I totally agree uh, with you on that. I think it's extremely important. Uh, We need to teach kids empathy and compassion in the world. I mean, I I look around and it's like everything is, you know, my way or the highway. (laughs) That's not real Mm -hmm. life, you know, that it creates too much friction, so much drama. And you're you're seeing the mental health of people at all ages decline. And so we've got to, we have to help. Uh, create this, um, uh, this community of support and acceptance and that you are okay exactly how you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what you're mm-hmm. dealing with, that we can still live graciously together in this world. And um, we should all be able to, to feel pride and feel engaged and connected and loved um, and, and even more importantly, safe. And a lot of times mm-hmm. that safety goes out the window when you you know especially as someone's progressing with the disease, you know they're looking mm-hmm. at our nonverbals and those those glances or those uh you know crossed arms and raised brows or rolling eyes have huge impact on people and mm-hmm. uh, and yet so many think that they're overlooked or they're not noticed, or you know they don't have the wherewithal to pick that up, but I think realistically it's more that we as society don't have the wherewithal to even know we're doing it, you know. We're mm-hmm. we're unconscious of a lot of those things that are happening. So, kudos to you. Is there a um, a website that you want to give out or, or a Facebook page or um, email sure. or some kind of contact?
2: Yeah, that'd be great. My um, Instagram, where I do a lot of posts, um, is DC Spar with. Two A's, S P A A R, and my website I do have connected to my Kickstarter, so it's um, D C Spar Books, so D C S P A A R, and then books dot com. Um, and I, I have some funny videos, you know, of of just us and and as a family. And um, I took my my mom and dad back to Boston to see their family, and and it was great. It was great to. See them remember old memories because, of course, they stay longer. Um, And one of the rewards on the Kickstarter that it made me think of is a memory book that will come with the book. And it's just a little book that um, I made so that they could put pictures of their loved one in them together and, like, write little reminders of just some happy times. Um, And hopefully that will help as well. Wonderful. Um, Any other comments that
1: you have, Kathy? Um, you know, I just, I just, I love the comment that you made about the little card. You know, please be patient. My, my loved one has uh, Alzheimer's. You know, when you're at the restaurant, and I, I think what you're doing by hitting this age uh, group with this book is you're gonna set them up for success. You know, because in five, ten years, when they are ready for their first job, and it is at, you know, mm-hmm. the, the local diner or wherever that might be, you are gonna be doing a great service for them by setting them up for success. And like you're saying, that's going to be the waiter that's going to approach a table and is going to look at someone and immediately go, this could be just like my grandma I learned about, my grandma Mm -hmm. that I loved. And I'm going to employ the communication and the empathy that I learned from my parents because they let me buy this book and they read it to me and (laughs) talked to me and included me. And that's Mm -hmm. that's great because – We do need to set up, you know, these kids now, we need to hit them now so that when they do hit the workforce, they're going to be hitting Mm -hmm. all kinds of people and more older adults in the future than ever before. So to prepare Mm -hmm. them and and specifically hit them with this spot of empathy, like Lori said, where they're coming immediately from a place of compassion and we don't have to be flipping people cards to excuse ourselves for not Mm -hmm. being perfect. That you know that these people that those that read your book, hopefully many of them, are going to be really well suited in the near future for their high school careers and you know and those first jobs Mm -hmm. and so on. I think that's fantastic.
0: Exactly. well, thank you for calling in, Danielle, and good luck. Keep us posted when that, uh, when your book actually launches. We'd love to have you yeah. be part of Dementia Map as well and get that listed there uh, so people can okay, find great. that. So thank you again. Thank um, you. For, thank you so much. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with Dementia Map, it's a global resource directory. Access is free. You don't have to set up an account or a password. Uh, we have about 150 categories. Um, In there, uh, people are really enjoying the, especially the activities category, where there is so much uh, available online to kind of help with respite at home if you're a family or in community, where a lot of times they're short-staffed and looking for ideas to be able to keep um, those living with dementia engaged and feeling purposeful. Um, Kathy, any particular topic you're interested in covering today, we'll, again, call in and and, uh, people are more than welcome to to, uh, join us in the conversation at 323-870-4602. That's 323 870 And in the meantime, Kathy and I are going to fill the air because, my gosh, there's so much to talk about when it comes to dementia, <laughs> especially this month uh, being World Alzheimer's Month, and on the 21st was World Alzheimer's Day, and the new report just came out from Alzheimer's Disease International. Uh, it, it's We could go on for a week probably talking straight, but uh, we won't do that to you. We're only on the air for an hour, so feel free to call in. <laughs> And, and join us. Um, any hot topics for you, Kathy? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm working on a project right now. And, and one of the things that I've, I have was disengaged from last year, which I, I'm now inundated with is, and obviously, you know, maybe more than more than last year, or more than even in the spring is the Delta variant and, and COVID and COVID vaccines. And how is that affecting residents who are living with dementia who are housed in senior living? Um, Mm -hmm. It is, and I don't want to take a political stance. I can talk out of both sides of my mouth out of this one, but my goodness, is it wrecking havoc? And I know everyone has probably read the news or listened to, you know, different podcasts about it. I mean, it's not just the staff shortage that is hitting people hard, but, I know that right now there's um, big discussions and some decisions that have been made recently, very recently about um, mandating the vaccine for all staff who work in nursing home settings. And like I said, I can talk out of both sides of my mouth out of this one because in in one way I think that that's a great idea because we're working with very vulnerable people. Um, On the other hand, I hear a lot of different people talk about, They feel that, you know, that's a right of theirs that they don't want taken away. And, um, you know, if terminations are coming down the pipeline because of that, because of their choice not to be vaccinated, we're going to see an even bigger issue with staffing and staffing shortages. Um, And it is, it's a tough one to walk. It's a hard line to walk. Um, And it's, it's, I've been in facilities recently where, I mean, there isn't even a reason to do your hair or your makeup in the morning because you're wearing goggles, face shields, the mask, the gown, the gloves. You're so dolled up with all this stuff. And it is so unfortunate that when you're working with somebody with dementia with all of this garb on, they can't see your face. They can't read your lips. They can't as clearly see your facial expressions. Um, and, and it's sad because I'm, I, I personally, I miss a lot of opportunities to connect with somebody, and I get a lot of frustrated feedback from, from residents that I work with because they just they can't understand me because they can't see me fully. Um, but the staffing shortages, it's, it's a rough, this is a rough go for a lot of people, and I, I'm sure a lot of family members are concerned about that too, whether they are at home caring for somebody and, and thinking about nursing home care um, or they have somebody currently in care, you know, just just trying to be there more frequently, more often, if you can, and if your facility isn't in lockdown, you know, to just do those visits and, and have eyes on your, your loved one. And it's, it's a scary time.
0: You know, it is. I, I saw just a headline of an article, and I didn't catch it all, but I thought what it said today was only 1% of senior housing is fully staffed and like you said, <laughs> oh I know, I know, and and I'm not quite sure if I caught that all because I was kind of on the fly this morning, but um, that's what caught my attention, and it, I wouldn't be surprised, and fully staff could be no. your 99.9% full too, so, you know, key, or 90, 98.9% full, so keep that in mind as well, but it, it is real out there. The um, stress that people are under is, unbelievable the polarization the shift in how a team functions when people all aren't in the same building I mean there's so many layers of things going on Um, and then you have people that want to be at work and can't be at work because they're not comfortable maybe with their kids in the school system or their kids are on an online system and they have to be there to assist them with that so you know, yeah. I, I know there's a lot of talk, well, oh, people are just lazy and they won't go back to work. But there are so many levels of what is going on that people truly aren't aren't considering or just the fact that it's not just about them. It's about who they interact with and how vulnerable can are yeah. they willing to risk that. And I don't think a lot right. of times that that's given a whole lot of value. And I know for me that's very important in something that needs to be, I, I believe needs to be respected. You know, people value the yeah. people in, yeah. in their life. Um,
1: I agree so, with that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like like there's this tough, there's a heavy heavy amount of talk about you're going to lose staff if you mandate a vaccine. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, how many nursing capable employees are out there that have been waiting for this to happen so that they know they're working with fully vaccinated staff and they feel Mm -hmm. safer re-entering the workforce now because they have to come home to a chronically ill child or a chronically ill parent. And they've been holding off. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't talk about that other side of the spectrum. We do. We need to respect what someone is going to be potentially taking home and who are they taking it home to. And will a mandate of a vaccine make them feel safer to re-enter? So, There's both sides of that, for sure.
0: I agree. I'm going to uh, pull in a caller here, and uh, we can always come back to that conversation if we need to. Um, This caller is from a 2108 number, 2108. You are live and on the air. Uh, Do you mind sharing your name and uh, why you're calling in? Hello? From a 2108 number? And sometimes people call in just to just to listen in this mode, and other times people have a comment. I can hear somebody on the other end of the line. um I'll say one more time hello, hello, I'm just listening. oh, you're just listening, okay, well, thank you. I'll go ahead and put you back on mute. then. I just wanted to make sure in case you had a comment or a question uh that we um, that we pulled. Hold you in, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so we'll go. Um, we'll go back to our conversation, but before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to um, a couple of organizations. One is Care During COVID um, at Rice University. It's actually the project called Project Care, and they are doing a study on stress which is kind of right up the alley here and um, you can uh, again reach out to them at care during covid at rice university Uh, it's a it's a survey where they'll either email or text you um, short questions throughout the day they're trying to figure out what are levels of stress. Are there certain trigger times or things that are happening? And you can actually be compensated up to $255 uh, for participating in this um, study. In order to be eligible, you have uh, um, have had to have um, been caring for somebody for four hours a day within the last last three months. So, um, Kathy, anything more that you want to say on our, our topic of COVID and staffing and care?
1: Oh god. Um you know, I just I guess I would say it just as a piece of advice, unsolicited or or not, you know, if you are looking for nursing care for a loved one, you know, I would just say, you know, <laughs> the facilities that you tour, um if they are transparent about the fact that they have staffing shortages, I think that's a really good sign because it's the reality and it's the truth. And like Lori said, if if what you read is true, and again, I don't doubt it either, only 1% of the senior living communities out there are fully staffed. That means that probably every facility you're going to go to is having a staffing shortage issue. And, you know, I would just say to me, transparency is key. Um, When you feel like you've walked into a facility and whoever's touring you and talking to you and giving you information, is being honest with you and not blowing smoke. um, I think that's a really good sign because any, any facility who's trying to hide the fact that they're short staffed is, is probably hiding more than just that. Um, So that's my little public service announcement on how to tour a facility in the midst of Delta variant, (laughs) you know, and, and, when they can be transparent and say, yeah, we're short staffed and we're doing everything we can and we've got all hands on deck and we bring agency in and, you know, we're, we're definitely, we're, we're compensating our staff for them staying over. And we understand the stresses we're under and we'd love for you to continue to visit as long as possible for, you know, as many times as you can to help us compensate with that. I think that that transparency goes a long way. I think families want to hear that. um, Because who wants to admit their parents or their loved one into a building and then find out, you know, and they read an article like Lori did today and they go, oh, my God, I had no clue that the building mom is in now, you know, is so short-staffed that then no one said anything to me. I think that's the last thing anybody wants to have is is to feel like they've been slighted, um, feel like they've had the wool pulled over their eyes and Again, I I believe fully that, you know, transparency, although it doesn't sound really good, it it is our reality. And then it keeps everybody on the same page.
0: Uh, I agree. And, you know, they shouldn't be, in my opinion, ashamed or shocked that they're short-staffed. This is just (laughs) the reality we live in. I mean, I go to my caribou coffee, and I never know if they're going to be open or not. Or, you know, (laughs) if they're going to have the supplies they need to make me the drink that I want. You know, the other day they were out of – you know, they were out of – milk chocolate for for my mint condition and the other day they were out of a sandwich that i wanted and it's because they're they're not open they don't have the staffing and the manpower to do this what's causing it you know we don't know um and i think part of the fear with with all of this shortness too is is it because it's a COVID outbreak is it because they really can't get Staff, you know what what is behind all of this? And there's a lot of there's a lot of questions as to, you know, why why is that? I was on um, somebody's site just the other day, and I loved that on their main page they had COVID communications, and it was updated up exactly. What are their policies? What can you expect if you want to take a tour? How is that happening? If you want to visit? And it was very detailed and very upfront. And personally, I'd like to see that on every single community's homepage. Yes. Um, and just
1: take yes. the spooky I, out. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I frequented a restaurant, and there was a sign on the front and said, every place in this town is short-staffed. Please be patient with us. We can't wait to serve you. And I went in to get my soup, and I told them I was really impressed with the fact that they had a sign up. You know, because Mm -hmm. it is, just like you're saying, we're setting people up from the step into the door, whether it's a restaurant or the nursing home, these these are the things we have as expectations, and we want to set those expectations for you as well. And when an organization and family caregivers can be on the same page, that's when you have success. Yep. And... I agree with you. I drove uh, eight minutes to work today, and I counted 14 places that had Help Wanted signs, and they were random, all different kinds of mm-hmm. It is everywhere. Um, it's just we're getting, I think we are getting a lot of news and information about how it's hitting health care because that has been the topic for the last 18 months. Yep. How do we take care of those who need to be taken care of?
0: Yep, exactly. Exactly. And again, we've got to be patient. And I know I'm not always as gracious as I should be, even when I go to, you know, a a restaurant or or go through my little drive-thru and I've had to go to three stores to be able to get what I want. Um, And again, that's not good on my part. That's not being real. I should know that heading out the door, and I should be grateful for those who are open. And, um, and again, it's, it's not that they don't want to be open and that they don't want to serve. It's just, we're in, we're in some really dynamic times and we, we need to be, uh, much more gracious than, than what we are. And we have to go in with our eyes open in terms of what does that mean, you know, to all of us and, and how can we support, how can we support these businesses, um, and even when it comes to communities, maybe there's ways of volunteering where even if you don't want to enter the building, maybe there's things you can do to help reduce the load. Um, even there was, there was one woman who I, I just adore who's a, a coach actually on, on Dementia Map, and she uh, was just writing thank you notes to them. And I thought, what a, be- what a beautiful way um, to go in and make a difference. And, again, because yeah. they, they don't get that appreciation yeah. all that often. I mean, most of us would say none of us get that appreciation that we like uh, as often as we would. But uh, Sue Ryan, again, is a, you know, she's a, a coach and a business professional um, in the realm of dementia. Her husband is uh, living in a community, and, and that's her way of trying to make things a little bit better, reduce maybe a little stress on staff or... Some people are even, you know, being pen pals to residents and just writing back and forth to engage them, so they don't feel as lonely. So there are things that we can do to maybe make um, communities a, a little, um, a little more comfortable during this really difficult time as well. With that, yeah. so, I So
1: don't. Lo- I think I just- also that transparency amongst the families and the staff that work there. I, I think that I'm kind of been looking at this a little bit. I, I wonder if there is a correlation there between when there is that transparency and we're trying to keep everybody on the same page, and is it related to a reduction then in compassion fatigue amongst the staff? Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I've seen a lot is when we don't set expectations up for family members as to what they should be, expecting and and experiencing in a long-term care facility or senior living and then they move their family member in what they had expected and what a facility can actually provide there's a huge gap sometimes in between those two Mm -hmm. and it's that big gap that the staff is having to fill in constantly throughout the day whether it's fielding phone calls and answering questions or Trying to do conflict resolution with a really unhappy family member, and I wonder if oftentimes we set our own selves up in facilities for this huge gap because we aren't straightforward and transparent with what's going on in this building right now. COVID, dementia—it's just—it's—it's it's senior care with staffing shortages, whatever it might be. I, I think that we create this big gap, and then—and then that is what. I think eventually leads to a lot of compassion fatigue for staff because Mm -hmm. they're just exhausted. Um, And then, then, you know, obviously there are a lot of staff are just dealing with this compassion fatigue because it's been 18 months. They've been in facilities where, um, you know, COVID has been running crazy and they don't want to, and Delta is scary now. It's, it's ramping back up. We're starting to see it in nursing homes again. And um, I think staff is like, I can't do this again. I, I don't know if I can go through this again.
0: Yep. Well, same in our hospitals and, and our clinics. Um, and, you know, I, I have a neighbor who's dealing with um, cancer, and they, yep. uh, they're trying to, you know, go to the emergency room and then, Finally, I mean, sometimes they're waiting almost a full day to be able to get a room in a hospital, and then they need to go to transitional care, and they have to stay in the hospital because there's no openings in transitional care. You know, and I'm in Minnesota, but I know that that's common all over, and that's exhausting um, when you are basically worried in this life and death issue. And, you know, people don't want to see what happened before, happen again, you know, um, in our community yeah. and yet, and yet, you know, not everybody is willing to say, you know, I'll wear a mask or I'll follow the, follow the rules because of, you know, this is going to, this is going to help the greater good or get vaccinated. I mean, we're just, we're so politically divided in so many ways and, and many don't understand the, um, like you said, the fatigue and the stress of these people really carrying the world right now and caring for people. And it is, it's massively, massively huge, um, you know, to be able to, to work in that type of, of environment. So, I mean, I think we really have to take our hats off to them. I do want to do a couple of more shout outs here. Um, and then we've got another caller on the line here. Um, but Gina was going to call in from the, the Bob and Diane fund and, um, In fact, that's who's on our line. So let me. This is hilarious. I was just going to talk about him, but I will. I will. Hi, Gina. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Thank you. I was just going to do a shout out to you, but I'll let you uh, shout out yourself. What you guys are up to. Thank you. So, for those who are not
3: familiar with, um, first of all, my name is Gina Martin. And I founded the Bob and Diane Fund um, in 2016, and it is a nonprofit named after my parents, Bob and Diane. My mother had Alzheimer's um, and died, uh, now it'll be 10 years, and my father, who took care of her through her illness, died just three months later. And I wanted to name this after both of them because Alzheimer's affected both of them. And what we do is we um, give grants to photographers who are working on stories related to Alzheimer's or dementia. And th- that is to bring a visual awareness to a disease that is so misunderstood. And we've um, given five grants um, in the last five years to photographers from all over the world, from Iran to Sweden to the U.S. and the U.K. Um, and we ha- are accepting submissions right now. We always open up submissions at September, October, and we announce the winner in November for National Caregiver's Month. So we are asking for submissions from professional or amateur photographers who have a project of a loved one or someone they know who has um, a form of dementia. And we will judge that work and give a $5,000
0: grant in November to them. Okay, wonderful. That is fantastic. So how do they get a hold of you if they're interested? We gotta make sure we give that information out. I love Yeah. I love the creativity of what is going on right now and the, the vision of how do we expand awareness and um and show that life can still be beautiful within this disease. Yes. I, I just absolutely love that. So thank you for doing that first yeah. of
3: all. Oh, thank you. So many of our winners, I mean, they've done such different projects, and some are very personal, some are, you know, people they don't know, and they've got a project on them, but some are, you know, heart-wrenching, and some are beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not all just, you know, the ugly side of dementia, and I truly believe, I worked at National Geographic for 21 years, and I do believe that visual storytelling does make a difference and can make an impact and can change perceptions and policy and um, help someone have empathy and understanding to something that they don't know or understand. Because I think if you haven't lived with dementia in close to you, you don't understand what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do show all of our grantees work on our website, which also is where you can apply for the um, grant. And it's, not that, it's just bobanddianefund.org. Um, again, it's bobanddianefund.org. Um, and we are on um, social media as well, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
1: And, Wonderful. Um,
3: yeah, we get a lot of submissions every year, and we just love seeing
0: all the different work that is
3: um, out there.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Now, when you announce, do you only announce the winners or, do, or is there a place for, you know, other applicants as well that are that are named and, um, you know, how, and yeah. how, do you, how do you announce that? So, the Washington Post
3: announces our winner every year and as of now, we've only announced the winner um, mm-hmm. and we've had some other opportunities for runner-ups, but it's nothing set in stone. And I, if I feel real strongly about another project, we will work with, you know, to get it out there. Mm-hmm. And actually one project a few years ago, the Washington post did publish that work as well. Um, and we've done other, um, types of contests where, um, we did a photo contest for people living with the disease
1: mm-hmm. and
3: we had, um, three winners and we had, we, um shared all of those on um the washington post published all of those so Love we're, you know doing different things and um doing a mentorship where we also get that work published so my goal is because i worked for national geographic for so long i have many connections in the publishing world and my goal is to really just get the work out there in every corner of the world um so um, people can, you know, see it and experience it and um, hopefully do something.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Kathy, any comments on this? I, I love this.
1: I do, too. I, I love, you know, a picture does say a thousand words, doesn't it? And and I think that it this does. is probably the first one, yeah, it's the first one I've heard of where, you know, we're hitting people on a visual level to enhance empathy and help them understand better what caregivers are going through and and what the person with dementia, you know, what, what do they look like? And and they don't look any different from any other grandma or grandpa in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, for me, I get to work with people who have dementia every single day and they are some of the most beautiful, literally beautiful people in the world. And some of the most fabulous conversations we have is what is your skin cream regimen? Because my God, you're you're 89 and you're gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, there's, I just when you you talk about this, I think of the images of a resident who was crying yesterday, and you know we we just wrapped our arms around each other, and she cried on my shoulder, and that was a beautiful moment. It was it was picture perfect. It was a beautiful moment. Yes. It's It's what caregivers and need it could to embrace. be a embrace sad
3: moment. That, yeah, it yeah, could be a sad moment, but also beautiful.
1: Beautiful exactly. because it's that embracing, it's that love, it's it's that connection. Mm-hmm. And I, I I love that you're, you know, you're you're recognizing talent in the visual realm because I think so many people learn differently and can tap into their empathy in a different way. And this is the first one I've heard where it's visual. I think that's fabulous. I think we've been missing this. So this is great.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank
3: you. Thank you very
0: much. Wonderful. Well, thank you for calling in. I, I am just thrilled that you called in, uh, Gina, to share again with us. Why don't you give people that website one more time, if you don't mind? Sure. It's Bob And, Diane
3: and that's B-O-B-A-N-D-D-I-A-N-E-F-U-N-D.org. Um, it's Diane with just one N. I know people spell it differently. Um
0: But, yes, thank you. I'm so glad I was able to make this. Yeah, me too. And it was, like I said, perfect timing because I was just thinking of calling you in, so we must add a little ESP going on there. Yeah, great. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, uh, Gina, and best of luck. And please let us know when you announce. We'd love to help push that out as well. Okay? Thank you. And let me just say one more
3: time, I don't know if I said it, the deadline for submissions is um, October 31st, Halloween. Um, Okay. So they're open now through October 31st.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you for mentioning that. Appreciate it very much. Have a wonderful week. Thank
3: you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Well,
0: it's always fun to hear different things uh, going on. I do want to uh, just give a a shout-out to Arthur's Memory Cafe. We are doing virtual cafes still on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock Central Time. And if you're interested, reach out to me. Uh, Also working with – Brookdale Senior Living of North Oaks and we're doing a Caregiver Connect uh, support group which is live and in person at 10 a.m. at the Shoreview Parks and Rec uh, Community Center and anybody is uh, is welcome to attend that and then I also want to give a shout out to um, the foot bar walker, if you go to dementia Map and put them in, you'll see there's a, a fifty or a a fifty dollar uh, coupon so you can get one of their walkers. It's absolutely fantastic because it decreases um, injury for both the person you're caring for and the care partner themselves. It's only one ninety nine so uh, please go check out the foot bar. Walker, um, just a wonderful, wonderful tool. And then I also want to mention that um, Compassion and Choices is having their annual event, October 6th. So if you are thinking about dealing with end-of-life issues, they have all kinds of, of great examples on their site. In fact, they have a tool specific for dementia and even if you don't have dementia, it's a good thing to think about because odds are we all could come down with it. And just have that in your healthcare directive um, just in case. Look at those options. Um, I can't believe our time is almost up already, so I just want to sneak in a couple, couple more of these. Uh, the Brain Donor Project, braindonorproject.org. Um, No cost to have a brain autopsy. They both need healthy and diseased brains. So please please think about that. And then on October 27th through, uh, let's see, October 27th, November 3rd and 10th, the Plymouth International Virtual Dementia Conference is on, and it's about the challenge and solutions in a COVID world. It's free to anybody. I'll be um, posting more about that. I'm just waiting for a graphic. I'll be speaking... on the 27th which is a Wednesday on that one but they've got lots of great speakers from all over and also another international conference together for dementia which is being sponsored by the dementia research charity brace that's going to be on November 2nd and I do have information up on dot com with that so Kathy, anything else that you wanted to cover? We got about five minutes left. It just time just blows by so fast. It just kills me sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I just I loved I loved what what was talked about with the Bob and Diane Foundation. I think that I I think that what we need to do is kind of start to keep our eyes open for different ways that we can, you know, really help anybody in our families grasp onto empathy, compassion better ways to communicate, better ways to understand what's going on and how to interact with somebody. And it's interesting that this came up as a visual because my son recently introduced me to something that was completely auditory in regards to, uh, it was a project done called Everywhere at the End of Time. And it's by James Leland Kirby. It's a very long musical piece. I think it's like six hours, but it's broken up into sections and the intention of it is as you go through each section, you experience auditorily what it might feel like to be living with a form of dementia. And it's the first I have ever experienced where it's got this huge auditory piece to it. And it's interesting because for my son, that is what he found this on YouTube. He brought it to my attention. He's been fascinated by it. Um, had me listen to it. It took large chunks of time to do that, to get through it. Um, And it's interesting because for him, his empathy and feelings about understanding forms of dementia really came from listening. Whereas you are going to have other people in your life where they may tap better into like the Bob and Diane foundation where it's imagery and pictures Mm -hmm. or, you know, that book that we spoke about earlier, how, you know, it's, it's reading, it's sitting with maybe with a parent and reading and then having a discussion. So we all learn so differently and I'm just so happy to hear, I don't even know if you meant to have this happen today, but that, you know, your discussion today really just brought together so many different realms of education and empathy induction, but from all different, all different sensory perspectives. And I think that's mm-hmm. super cool.
0: Yeah, and it is fun to see more and more of that coming about all the time. Um, I do want to give a mention to the Administration for Community Living. Um, Their RAISE program, which stands for Recognize, Assist, Include, Support, and Engage, Um, family caregivers just came out with a report, and it's talking about – how to improve support for family caregivers. So, you know, people can go ahead and and just Google that and and check that out. Also, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Bill Gates just came out with an article the other day about why he feels optimistic about the future of Alzheimer's research. And there's some interesting comments on there. And one of them talks about, you know, should early diagnosis, um, is this something we should really push when we don't have a cure yet? Are we really doing, are we really helping people um, by letting them, um, labeling them, I guess, with that diagnosis, if there isn't support out there for them? And I thought that was really kind of a fascinating thing. So, again, you can just Google that. And, and um, please feel free to reach out to me at radio at Alzheimer's Speaks if you have topics that you would like us to cover if you think you should be a guest or maybe you know someone that should be a guest on our show. Uh, we try to do these shows uh, twice a week from uh, on Tuesday and Thursday, typically launch at one o'clock. Though so this month I snuck in a lot of uh, third shows because it was World Alzheimer's Month. Uh, but feel free to reach out to me. We, we want to hear from you. And Kathy, do you want to give people your contact information as well?
1: Sure. Um, The best way to get a hold of me, I have a number, a phone number, but, of course, I can never remember my own phone number. So the best way to get a hold of me is either send me a direct email, which is improv, I-M-P-R-O-V, the number four, caregivers, at gmail.com. And my website is the same. It's improv and the number four, caregivers, dot com. You're welcome to reach out to me. Send me a message through the website. Send me a message via email. I will connect with you. Um, Love to hear how family members are doing, communication techniques that are and aren't working. If you need any suggestions, I love to help families along any way I can because communication and approach, I think, is number one in regards to making those moments of connection.
0: I I totally agree, and I want to thank our listeners, and again, you can always go to com for more information and watch, because hopefully in the next month, we're going to be launching our new site, which is, I'm really excited about. It's going to be much easier to find so many more things uh, that we offer uh, in a much easier fashion. Until next week, have a blessed week, and uh, we uh, we appreciate you listening. Feel free to like and share. Bye now.